0: Hi
1: everyone, I'm Mike. And I'm Jeremy. Welcome to House Calls, a podcast where we take your questions on all things related to homes, design, or anything else about buildings and the places people dwell.
0: Call 1-800-511-6842 to get your questions answered.
1: And remember, the advice might only be worth what you paid for it.
0: why don't you tell everybody where we are? Where are we? We are at the world-famous Silver Hollow Audio.
1: We are? Yeah. Oh, well, it's a good thing because this is a cool place.
0: Tucked into the center of the beautiful Catskill Mountains.
1: Do you have gum in your mouth?
0: Tic-tac, let me get rid of it. All right, hurry up.
1: Anyway, Silver Hollow Audio, call them up tomorrow, today, tonight, yesterday. Get yourself recorded. (laughs) (laughs) so taking our first caller who do we have up on the list
0: Delmar. delmar delmar that means of the ocean in spanish did you know that i think it's delmar delmar hello hi this is jeremy and this
1: is mike how's it
0: going delmar hey how are you good
2: good good yeah are we on the air
1: we are on the air
2: well, one of the things we have is a, an out, outlying room uh, that apparently wasn't built with the proper construction techniques. It's joists over earth, and it doesn't appear to be a vapor barrier, uh, and hence the, the, um, the flooring is failing in one of the corners, which I'm sure that it will probably fail in the rest of the room as well. Uh, the joist over the earth it creates a crawl space that you can't crawl in. So the the quandary is that how how do you pull up a floor uh, and put a vapor barrier in there so it's a, more of an appropriate, long lasting fix.
1: Yeah, good question. Hey Delmar, where are you from?
2: Uh, we, we live on Delhi.
1: Delhi, New York. Yeah. Excellent. Um, This is a common problem to have floor rot. or was this an addition or was this part of the original house?
2: It's it's, it's an addition.
1: Okay, this is common. Uh, I think you're spot on with the rot issue coming from the dirt that the addition sits over. Uh, First things first, you must eliminate that moisture. The message you left us asked if you should put just a vapor barrier or maybe spray foam. Uh, what are you thinking? Where, where are you thinking about going with it?
2: So if we pull up the floor, we're going to have joists essentially uh, with, uh, with about a foot, to a foot and a half underneath the joists to the earth. Yeah. So I, I don't know. You can't spray foam because you can't get to it.
0: So a couple quick questions. What's the finished floor made out of?
2: the uh well there's a some type of an industrial rubber uh, put over the uh, like a particle board floor uh, Aspenite or flake board. I don't know what you call it.
0: And is there any insulation in those joists at all? No okay. so I think you want to take care of this. really, I think the most thorough way would be to make sure that you have insulation and also a vapor barrier. That would be like best case scenario. Mm-hmm.
1: And probably the best material to do that with is gonna be closed cell spray foam. Now, you mentioned it will be tough to get under there to spray foam, but it may behoove you at some point to have somebody get under there, put down a member underneath uh, a, like a vapor barrier, maybe plywood, yeah. underneath the joists, and then spray from above when you remove that flooring on the interior of the room, it, you said the flooring is failing, so you're probably going to have to take it up and put new flooring down later.
0: Another way to do that is, if, if you can't, if you actually can't physically fit under that space, would be to take the flooring out. You're looking at open floor joists and take cleats and fasten them laterally into the bottom of the joist. Nice solution. And then put. Um, there's a couple ways to do it from there. You can put luan or plywood down onto those cleats, and then they can spray the spray foam down onto um, onto that plywood. Better yet. Oh wow! Yeah, so yeah. <clears throat> because you have to replace the floor anyway, the finished floor anyway. So yeah, another solution if um, if you're seeing dollar signs when you're thinking uh, closed cell spray foam because it does get pricey. Th-
1: pricey. These are homes. Homes are cheap.
0: Would be. Uh, What some people refer to as like poor man's spray foam solution, and that's, um, again, the finished floor is off, you've got open floor joists, and you take those cleats, you put them on the bottom of the joists, and take some sort of rigid insulation board and lay it down over those cleats, and any air gaps, you would just get a can of great stuff, foam, you know, you can get at the lumber yard or the hardware store, and spray Mm -hmm. the perimeter of that rigid insulation board that you've put down, And then, over the top of that, you could lay in rock rock wool insulation, you could do fiberglass. Um, And really, if you create that that air barrier, a lot of your rot issues are probably going to go away because, as Michael tell you, the air movement and the vapor movement is really going to be your enemy.
1: And vapor is created when hot meets cold. Anytime hot meets cold, you're going to get condensation. Anytime you get condensation, you're going to have water. And we all know water loves to rot things.
2: So that's kind of perfect because I, I couldn't get under there. And I, I just I couldn't think of a way to um, make that tight. I guess the only remaining question is, uh, this thing was probably built 15 years ago. Is it a fair assumption that those joists are uh, pressure-treated? Because ultimately, they'll, the, the ends of those will
0: still be exposed for that method. Listen, I've been in the remodeling business for 13 years, and I never make assumptions.
1: Yeah, never make assumptions. You're going to have to pull up that flooring, take a look at the joists, see what condition they're in. As long as they're not touching dirt, they may make it. When you pull up that flooring... Uh, you're going to be able to see if it's pressure-treated joists or not. If it is, you're in luck. But all pressure-treated isn't the same, so you still have to inspect it. Make sure it's okay. Uh, One last thing I would recommend is when you pull up that flooring, that substrate probably still goes under the the sills for the walls that sit on that substrate. So if you have a floor rot issue, you may have a rot issue underneath those stud plates. Underneath those stud Uh sills that the wall sits on. So you're going to have to take a look at that. You're going to have to have it fully inspected. You might want to have a contractor. Uh, You could easily take up the floor yourself uh, as long as you have the skills and the knowledge and the safety equipment to do it. But you may want to get a contractor in and figure out how to lift up those walls to remove that rotten substrate and replace it, the flooring, through and through at a later date.
0: It's a can of worms. Yeah, it could be. It always is. And one last thing, I guess it's never one last thing, but <laughs> if those floor joists are, in fact, pressure treated, keep in mind that pressure treated lumber is, is tough on fasteners. So any fasteners that you use that are going to go into that pressure treated lumber, they want, you want them galvanized, ceramic coated, stainless would be best. Anything that's, that's compatible with uh, pressure treated lumber. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, thank you very much. Thanks for the call. We appreciate it.
1: Thank you, Delmar.
0: Thank you.
1: Yeah. Take
0: care. You are listening to the House Calls Podcast. Mike, tell them where they can reach us. Reach us
1: today. 1-800-511-6842. You know, you can also reach us at House Calls podcast. Dot com. You can leave a question there. There's a 1-800 number. Just click on it. It rings right to our answering service.
0: They can also find us on Facebook. Instagram. Instagram is at House Calls Podcast.
1: And at Facebook, just type in House Calls Podcast. Make your house call at 1-800-511-6842. Who do we got next? We got John from Gardner, New York.
3: Hello. Is this John? Yeah, this is John. How are you guys?
0: Great. So what's going on?
3: We had our well you know, run out of water and our well was going dry. And so we've just been having different guys come by the house and different quotes, uh, you know, and testing out all the systems that are in the house. Yeah. And then also taking the top off the pump, you know, the top off the well mm-hmm. and testing the water level where the pump is, the amps on the pump. And so basically a lot of shale in the area. Yeah. And uh it's common for wells in Gardner to run dry if they're not farther than two fifty, three hundred.
1: Yeah. How old is your well? Unfortunately. Do you know? Uh
3: that's a good question. Um, you know, the good that's a good question. Um <laughs> I did a lot of talking to the local guys. It could have been drilled by two brothers in Gardner back right after the war. Yeah. I, you have to, I think it was the Snyder brothers mm-hmm. that were drilling. We actually have a hand dug well right outside the house. Does it work? But it it does have water in it, but we we have to prime the pump, and you know I'm not sure if the pump works. The water just goes dry, and and uh, basically, you know, we can't hydrofrack it because to hydrofrack it, you really want to be down between 300 and 350 or closer to four.
1: Yeah. Otherwise yeah, remember, the
3: hydrofracking.
1: Yeah. manholes so will up. start blowing out of the streets and no, I'm kidding. That won't
3: happen. <laughs> yeah. You really want to have, if you can open up, you can, you can prime the, you know, the well, but you really want to have storage after that. And that's why they explained to me that you kind of have to be deep enough so you have enough storage in the well. Um, once you uh, hydrofrack it, but that's not an option for us. We, one guy was going to drill a second well for us, and that's what he suggested. And then another guy said he would back up over our current well and take us deeper. Hmm.
0: Are you in a position whatsoever to get public water?
3: Oh, it's a good question. But Gardner um, doesn't have any, uh, you know, aquifers, or they don't tap into anything locally. I don't know if it was ever big enough of a hamlet to do that. But we do have. Um, we're on municipal wastewater, so yeah. I guess the silver lining is that we don't have to pay for, you know, a, um, a septic tank in 15 or 20 years.
1: Hmm. Okay, so <laughs> you know how people steal cable from their neighbors? You know how, like, they sneak over at night yeah. and they tap into their neighbor's yeah. cable line? Yep. Yeah, well, did you ever hear of people doing that on a well? while?
3: well i have heard that if you have a neighbor's well within a half mile our wells can can kind of cheat from each other yes um so we have a well that's within uh 75 to 100 feet from ours we have a close neighbor yeah and they were saying you know one of the guys mentioned that if he's down deeper than us that he could be siphoning off our water over time that water just might be in his well not ours
1: yeah, and does he like you? Because, you know, you got to get along with your neighbor <laughs> otherwise, you know, I'll just run my tap. I don't know. I don't know. That's true.
3: <laughs> we have to meet our neighbors and uh I think I have to do more time do more time meeting people and asking more questions. Um, you know, fingers crossed that this works out, but I might be calling you guys for another you know idea if you know how the water situation plays out you know i'm not sure if it's going to be clean or if it's going to have sulfur in it or hard we're going to find out i guess
0: how long have you been in the house um since february since february of this year
3: yeah so not very long we closed on the end of november
0: okay so it's the quantity of water or is it the quality of the water or both
3: we have great water, um, and when that's you why it. I initially called you guys because what I really was interested in was chit-chatting and like you know spit-firing about water storage. But we over the weekend, you know, we really we did a 24-hour period where we ran the well dry and kept track of how much it recharged, how many gallons it would recharge. Right, and we ruled out storage because it won't reproduce enough to keep up with our house usage over time.
0: So it's, so, I mean, to me, that sounds like the writing's on the wall that you got to just go deep. Got
1: to drill it well.
3: <laughs> you got it.
0: It's, yeah.
3: Yeah. I think that's the, the hard, you know, that's the hard thing to bite, but you know, it is what it is. And
0: yeah. Do you, do you have a, uh, spring. <laughs> do you have a money tree growing out there in Gardner?
3: Well, I'm hoping they hit oil. Maybe that'll be better. (laughs) Although
1: I heard it's not very good to bathe in. So anyway. Yeah, that's uh, true. So you said one person would back the truck over your well and just go deeper, which sounds like the way more affordable way to do things.
3: It is. It's about half price. I'll tell you why the other guy, uh, the initial guy wanted to dig a, a whole new well was his reasoning was that he could go down and, um, it wasn't a well that he dug. And he said, back in the day, they, uh, they used sometimes different size bits for different holes, you know, five and a quarter or five and a half or something. And, uh, and nowadays it's six inch and back towards world war two, they used different sizes. So he was worried about getting stuck, but, um, I'm not sure if that's always the case. I think he can get down. I think he can get down. So uh, I think we, we were talking. The second guy said, no, I can go. I it
1: sounds I can go. like you have someone stuck in your well. <laughs>
3: <laughs> so, yes, I have a little, little ones running
1: around right now. Yeah.
0: Did um Did either one of these guys come with those steel divining rods?
1: You mean witching um, sticks?
0: Witching sticks—they're not called divining rods.
1: What?
3: Those? Oh no! I—I I was wondering about that. I didn't ask him about a rain dance either. But, <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs>
3: but that's probably—you probably have to pay more for that. Absolutely. Yeah. Everything yeah. costs
0: money.
1: You can create your own witching sticks. Really? Yeah, and it works for some people and it doesn't work for others. So let me explain this. If you can get two pieces of is metal... It
3: certain, is it a certain kind of wood?
1: Nope. You don't even have to use wood. Nope. You could use uh, You could use an old metal co-hanger. So what you do is you bend it in the shape of an L That's uh-huh. that's slightly acute, so it's not 90 degrees. It'd be less than 90, so it hangs down off your hands. And you can practice, too. You can practice over, like manhole covers or whatever so Uh basically you hold these two sticks together and you walk around uh i don't know hold them like six inches apart not sticks but Mm -hmm. pieces of wire and walk Mm -hmm. over where you know there's some sort of water source like a pipe or anything like that and if it works for you, I guess you got to believe. But if it works for you, <laughs> uh, it either mm-hmm. the the two rods will either spread apart or they will spread together. I know for me okay. they spread apart, but some people I show this to they they fold together, which is Interesting,
0: Mike. What? W- yeah. W- the last time you played Ouija board, what did yeah. it say to you? Yeah, it said, witching sticks.
1: <laughs> 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 it said divining rods or whatever you
0: said. Divining
1: rods. <laughs> divining rods. That it, sounds too fancy. At
3: this point, at this point, I'll try anything. So.
1: Uh... No, you can do it. The only problem with the witching sticks, I think, is that it only works for a certain depth. I mean, we're talking yeah. talking yeah. hundreds of feet.
3: Gotcha. Well, I will try. I will. I will. I will ask the well driller when he comes. I will ask him about that and the reindeer.
1: Yeah, and if you use those witching sticks and it works for you, call us back. Let us know how it happened.
3: I will. All you right. Will.
1: Hopefully that answers Thank your you question. Guys. You're welcome. Thank you. Thanks well, for calling.
3: Talking about it, and I'll keep you guys posted.
1: Thanks. We, we'd love to hear it.
0: Remember, remember this, guys and gals. Anytime you're gonna self-perform any work in your own home, be sure to wear proper personal protective equipment. Did you say PPE? I said personal protective equipment. PPE. That's the acronym. That's the abbreviation rather.
1: It includes what does it include? It includes first and foremost, a set of safety glasses. You gotta have safety
0: glasses. No question. They can be clear, they can be tinted, they can be...
1: Do not wear the tinted glasses.
0: I disagree. But anyway, safety <laughs> glasses. Ear protection.
1: Ear protection. Things are loud on job sites. Bang,
0: bang. If teeny. you choose hand protection, good set of work gloves.
1: Which is a very good idea. After all the slivers I pulled out of my calloused hands through the years.
0: Work gloves have come a long way. There's a lot of work gloves with, a, with high dexterity. High flexibility. High flexibility. What about some protection? What about foot protection? Thank you, Michael. Foot protection, sturdy shoes. Sturdy shoes and a good hat.
1: I always wondered what that meant, sturdy. Are there unsturdy shoes? I'm wearing Crocs on the booth right now. Oh, yeah, don't wear those on the job site. And if you can't afford it and you're going to do a bunch of work, all right, you just bought a house, I'm going to go for it. Get yourself a pair of steel toe boots. Can't go wrong.
0: You can't go wrong, unless it's wintertime and your toes will get cold. The phone lines are open 24 hours a day. You call 1-800- 511- 6842 and leave a message.
1: Your house call will be answered, whether you like it or not.
0: Next up, we have Dan... No, I shouldn't say his last name. No, don't say his last name. (laughs) Next up, we have Dan calling from Albany, New York. Albania. Dan, what can we do for you?
4: So, I hammered a nail that was way too big of a nail that I should have been using (laughs) and it got stuck in what I think is a knot in the wood in a stud in my
1: wall all right so you were using a large nail a larger nail than you should have been using
4: I was for no reason (laughs) and when I tried to get it out It doesn't move, and then I just end up damaging the drywall around it.
1: All right, hold on. How big was the snail?
4: Maybe two inches.
1: All right. And how big was the hammer?
0: (laughs) Dollar store hammer. Huge then, probably huge. Here, I'm
1: going to give you some advice. Don't forget it. Whenever life gives you a problem, just go get a bigger hammer.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Dan, what do you do for a living? I'm an attorney. Oh, here we go. Oh, no. <laughs> all right. Thanks for calling. We'll talk to you later. <laughs> oh, no,
4: so man. So I spent about an hour trying to get this out of the wall, and I used all of my body weight and the claw of the hammer, prying against it, and I ended up just caving in the drywall around it.
0: Yeah. All right. So um, you have what sounds like a medium-sized nail. How about that? Stuck in the drywall stuck in the stud in the wall, and you got to get it out without damaging the drywall. How do you
1: know it's in a knot?
0: I can't think of any other reason it would be stuck this tight.
1: Do you live in an old house or a new house? No, new
4: house.
1: New house. All right. Maybe it's stuck in a knot.
4: And to answer Jeremy's question about uh, the problem here, getting it out without damaging the drywall, if I can get it out, period, I'll be happy. I'll be extra happy if I can get out without damaging the drywall.
0: All right, so <clears throat> I think your best bet—and and I actually just went through this at, at somebody's house in, in uh, downtown Albany, this beautiful brownstone. Uh, the customer was moving out, and she asked me to take all of her nails out of all of her plastic walls. And the only thing that I had in the truck with me at the time was a hammer and a pair of gloves. And so what I did was— I used the glove as basically a cushion on the plaster. It's
1: terrible, terrible. Tell me why. All right, so if you only have a hammer and a glove, go get a book, right? A very thin book, something that isn't flexible that you can pry against, right? So basically, you're gonna put the hammer hook onto the nail as if you were ready to pull it out of the wall, and right before you pull you stick that book under the hammer and you crank on it. Now, the direction you crank matters. So, if the studs are vertical, you want to crank in an upward or downward manner. Don't crank sideways. It's natural for us to want to go sideways, and then you're putting pressure on the sheetrock where there's no wood.
4: What direction is the hammer itself facing?
1: Okay, so the hammerhead wants to be facing up and down. Does that make sense?
4: So the claw is facing the
1: ceiling. Claw is facing the ceiling. There
0: you well, know. I think it depends on which way the nail is oriented. Because if the nail is pointed up, I would have a tendency to put the claw of the nail down. That's right. And so the hammer handle is facing towards you. And then your leverage point is above it, and you would rock it upward.
1: Yeah, totally. Unless the direction of the nail doesn't allow the book to get underneath it.
0: Dan, you got to understand something. There's already a flaw in Mike's story, because (laughs) the first thing that I had said was that this woman was moving out, and her house was empty. The only thing that was in the house was basically the nails in the walls.
4: It's
1: like a murder mystery. <laughs> it is, and and the glove really ties it exactly. See, you're an attorney, so the key exhibit A is all I had was a hammer and a glove, one glove. You see, so no, okay, sure. no. All Where jokes are we aside, if it, my nail out of my wall.
0: It, all jokes aside, if you if you have, um, like Mike said, a book or maybe something even thinner, like a shim or a stir stick for a gallon of paint. Just something to get a little bit of leverage under that hammer head. Um, I think just after years of doing this, I maybe have a little bit more finesse, and the glove is what I had, and it protected the plaster, and mission accomplished. But um, you you don't have to go crazy. I mean, worst case scenario, got to fix drywall
1: yeah you got to fix drywall and you can always hire somebody to do that i mean you're a you're right. an attorney come on what are you doing pulling nails <laughs> <laughs> i like
4: to reclaim some of my manhood once in a while with <laughs> <laughs> agreed fair enough <laughs> all,
1: right.
4: all right well thanks a lot guys Absolutely. hey you're welcome thanks, for, thanks calling. for calling all right take
0: it easy. all right thanks mike this is our first episode of our first podcast Can you together. Can scary. Well, it's scary because everybody's going to judge the success or failure on this first episode.
1: Well, then we aren't going to get subscribers. <laughs> <laughs> so if you want to subscribe, please find us at iTunes, find us on Facebook, Instagram, and definitely look us up at housecallspodcast.com where you'll find links to all those other things as well. Thanks again for listening. And as always, subscribe and we'll look forward to giving you more crazy sometimes crazy house calls next episode
0: uh what else <laughs> no I got it I got it. <laughs> thank you for your house calls we appreciate you calling hopefully our advice was helpful hold on you sound half
1: dead so pick it up a little
0: thank you for calling house calls we appreciate your house calls hopefully we were helpful hopefully we got a chance to help you out
1: at least entertaining you
0: at the very least, entertaining, I agree. And in the infamous words of Mike Wentland, be good.
1: Hey. Okay, good. Over and out. Brad, was that good? Do you think we can end with that? Thanks for listening to the House Calls podcast, recorded at Silver Hollow Audio, with your hosts, Mike Wentland and Jeremy Castle. This episode was produced by Brett Barry. Production assistant, Sarah Van Essendelft, Distributed by Anchor. Thanks to our program sponsor, Drive28.com, with free audio driving tours through the Catskills. Be sure to click that subscribe button and call us so we can feature your home question on the show.
0: 1-800-511-6842. That's 1-800-511-6842. Until next time.